In the midst of difficult days, we find much to be rejoice about. We've heard that in our prayer from our shepherd David Wicks earlier. We heard that from Donnie Carnathan as we gathered around the table. We have certainly seen that and sung that and felt that in these wonderful songs uh, that Rusty has led us in today. And so I hope that you're having the opportunity to share joy. We have a lot of our folks, I'm sure, who are traveling this weekend with the holiday weekend. And we want you to be safe. If you're watching us online, either live or later, then welcome and be safe and come back uh, to us safely as well. We did begin our classes today, as David shared earlier, and uh, that is a, what a joy to be together again. I heard a few times this morning, it's just great to be uh, together again. It's great to be able uh, to meet again, and we will continue to practice uh, good uh, practices and safety Uh, But it is such a blessing to get back to work. And with this being Labor Day weekend, I thought, well, what would be a good title for the sermon? And so I thought, let's get back to work for the Lord. We're starting our Bible classes. It's Labor Day weekend. Uh, I think that that will be great. And I think it is great. Let's get back to work for the Lord. And so this lesson, as we're going to go through it, is going to share several things about that, about the blessing that we have. And doing stuff for the Lord. But I wanted to begin with uh, this statement. The title of this message is a bit misleading. (laughs) You say, well, Bill, why didn't you name it something else then? (laughs) That's probably a legitimate question. Let's get back to work for the Lord. Well, that, that can be a little misleading in a sense. And you probably realize why already, but here's why. The implication of that title is that we haven't been working for the Lord. And that is simply not true. I think one of the things that this, these last several months have demonstrated, one of the many things that has come to light, is the true nature of the church. Um, as important as this building is, as important as it is, Uh, for us to do things as a unit. And I have given my whole life to encouraging people to do that and do that still. We have come to realize that there's a connection with us as the body of Christ that even sheltering at home (laughs) can't take away. And we've been able to maintain that connection and to reach out to others in so many different ways and to continue to serve, to continue to work for the Lord. There's been so much work for the Lord and ministry to others over these past months since we shut down our in-person assemblies and decreased other ministries. Bible classes and worship services through our church live streaming service, through Zoom, through Facebook, and through other means. I've got it uh, straight from Donnie Carnathan that he loves Zoom, and he's going to keep doing that until Jesus comes, even if, well, okay, well, maybe... Maybe we have had a little bit of a rocky road adjusting uh, to this high-tech stuff at times, but we have rolled with the punches. Those of us who lead our classes, those of us who lead our ministries, and all of us who participate, we continue to participate. And so we've had some wonderful Bible classes and Bible studies that continue still. Uh, We have members and our church leaders checking on one another and providing things such as household needs, transportation, encouragement, caring kitchen, which there's a note in the bulletin about we still need help uh, with people to help grill for that that's coming up later this month. 
uh, other times of being able to distribute food for the needy, such as uh, on Wednesday mornings as our Benevolent Center has continued to serve our community on that day. Uh, Tuesday meals for our shut-ins have continued. Elders, ministers, deacons, our, some of our committees, others within our church family continuing to meet and plan and serve. We've continued our worship service of worship attendance either online, as many of you are right now, or in person as a good crowd today again. We have contributions that have been given online and by mail and in person, and you have done wonderful at trying to keep up with that. And what a blessing that has been. We still need each other to do that. It is still a very difficult time for the church financially. And we call on each other to continue to give just as you have been doing. And for those who need to take a respite from that, to do that because of the situation. And for others who can give more, to do that as well. Uh, We've seen that throughout these last months. Um, Those who serve individually, uh, your neighbors around you, checking on them, providing for them, going to the grocery store for them. Many other ways our West Irwin family has continued through this pandemic to serve the Lord by serving others. Let's get back to the work for the Lord. It's not to say we haven't been doing that because we have. But we acknowledge also today that we have seen our collective work and our collective activities hampered and reduced since March. And it is time for that to change. We got the first step into that today as our Bible classes began to meet. Our children's classes met this morning. We had adult classes that met this morning, and that will be the case on Wednesday evening as well. And so I hope that you'll consult your bulletin and uh, our app and other ways, our emails, and be a part of these great classes, these great opportunities for fellowship and for Bible study. The church was God's idea, and as he shared that idea with us through his written word, he shared it with a purpose, and that purpose was that we would be able to encourage one another, to maintain that faith and connection with our great God, with our Savior Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit who lives in us and acts through us and with one another. So as we begin today to open up our church activities and ministry opportunities, let's each one of us recommit to being involved in every way that we can. Let's see this as an opportunity to reboot, to encourage one another, and to teach our children and our grandchildren by our leadership and by our example to put the priority where it belongs, on serving the Lord and on being involved with his people, the church. I've heard a lot of concern that uh, once we're able to open things back up, will, will people come? Or will they be so enamored with Pajama Church that they stay there? <laughs> and I, I wish I could tell you, look, if you love Pajama Church so much and want to come here in your pajamas, it's okay with all of us. It's not okay with all of us. We want you to come, but not in your PJs. We would love for you to come. My thinking through all of this has been simply this. I believe that one of the things that God will do in the midst of this pandemic, in the midst of this time when our time together has been limited and very much decreased, 
what God is doing through this is to re- remind us how very much we love this, how very much we miss this, how very much we look forward to the time when we can do the holy handshakes and the holy hugs in a safe and confident way. But in the meantime, what a blessing it is to be together, to meet with one another, to see the smiles in the eyes, even if you can't see it on the other side of the mask. And I fully believe that our church family will come together, that we will see the need for each other, not just for my encouragement, but so that I can be an encouragement to others. And we'll do that just as quickly as we can for many of you. There are some here today that I've talked to already that this is your first time back. And for others, you're waiting a while still, and we, we understand that. And we want to tell you that we appreciate that, and, and we certainly want the most vulnerable among us to be safe. And we want you to continue that connection. But I know in talking with some of those who are the most vulnerable, they can't wait to get back here. We understand that and we keep you in our prayers and we know you do the same for all of us. On this Labor Day weekend, let's get back to work for the Lord. What's so important about this anyway? Well, this morning I want to share some thoughts and scriptures about how and why we do the Lord's work. I was reading something recently that was talking about Um, those who are deciding what to do with their lives, what they're going to be when they grow up, so to speak, and what kind of career they should have. And what the writer was saying is the, the first question needs to be, what is my purpose? What is my mission? And then what are my gifts? What are my interests? And then what should I do with those things? That's what we're talking about today. Let's get back to work for the Lord, remembering that it's not about me. Remembering that it's about how God has placed me with these gifts at this moment in time, at this place, to serve others, to help others, to help spread his love and his word to others. Let's get back to work for the Lord. First of all, we do the Lord's work with obedience. We do the Lord's work with obedience. It is commanded. It is not an option to not be a worker for the Lord. He has called us all to serve. In fact, that's in a sense why we joined up. You say, well, wait a minute, Bill. I joined up because I needed forgiveness of my sins. Absolutely, of course. So why do you stay? We do the Lord's work with obedience because it is commanded. That great chapter in Matthew 7 begins with that most quoted verse, I think, in our culture today. Judge not that you be not judged. That's become the favorite verse for so many who don't really want to do anything as they follow Jesus. They want to live the way they want to live. They don't want to know that it's wrong. They don't want to know that Jesus expects anything commands anything and if you try to convince them otherwise then you're breaking Matthew 7 verse 1 the only problem with that is that's not the last verse in the in Matthew chapter 7 and as you continue reading Jesus says things like if you want to be saved then you've got to take the narrow way not the broad way not the the wide road but the narrow road he says if you're going to be my disciple then you can't just talk a good game you have to do 
my Father's will. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. And then he ends that great passage by telling that story of the wise man who built his house on the rock and the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And he's using that to illustrate this is what it's like. This is what the person who follows my word, who does it, not just hears it. He's like the wise man who built the house on the rock. Other passages of scriptures are written there. And starting next Sunday, I'm going to be Uh, sharing a sermon series on Sunday mornings of what I believe and why. And I think that will be a a great series for you to invite someone to come with you and to listen. And it will be a time that maybe can generate some questions and maybe can answer some questions. Here are some of the foundational beliefs. Here are some of the things in the midst of the 21st century American culture that we still believe. And here's why. Here's why we believe them. We do the Lord's work with obedience. Faith without works is dead, James 2 says. Secondly, we do the Lord's work with gratitude. We do the Lord's work with gratitude. It's appropriate. It's it's the right response to having received such great blessings to do the Lord's work and to try to bless others in return. Um, Scripture talks about that in Ephesians chapter 2 and in Titus 3. Ephesians 2, that great passage that talks about how we were dead in our sins and then God acted and God made us alive through Jesus Christ. It is by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves so that no one can boast. And we get that. But just like Matthew 7 doesn't end in verse 1, Ephesians 2 doesn't end in verse 9 because in verse 10 it says, you are God's creation. You are God's workmanship. You have been created, saved, forgiven in order to do good works. That's why he has saved you. Not just so that you can live eternally, but so that you can be used by him to help others to come to know that same salvation, to come to know that same great love. And so Ephesians continues in chapter 5 and says to live a life of love, but do that out of gratitude. Do that as dearly loved children. That's where it starts. It starts with God loving us and then us loving him in return. And that's not a passive love. Biblical love is a very active love. It's a love that does stuff. It's a love that serves. It's a love that gives. It's a love that works. As David shared earlier, it's been a long time, it seems, since we were able to, to come, begin coming back together. It's been a long time since we've tried to help encourage one another through this whole pandemic. Um, as the old song used to say, this seems like the year that never ends. And I've heard so many times people saying, you know, March lasted a year, April lasted two years, and it seems that way. But at the same time, we have been able to find ways to serve. Why? Because our hearts are overflowing with gratitude. God has blessed us so much. He has given us so much, even in the midst of this difficult time for us, for our families, for our nation, for our church. In the midst of all of that, he has continued to bless us. He has continued to give us opportunities for joy. And he has continued to give us opportunities to serve. We do 
the Lord's work with obedience. We do the Lord's work with gratitude. We do the Lord's work with joy. It's fulfilling. It's fulfilling. We don't see it as, it's a very low motivation to do the Lord's work because we're, we're afraid we're going to have a lightning bolt if we don't. We do the Lord's work because we're afraid we're going to be cursed and lost if we don't. That's a good motivation for a while. But that's a very immature level of motivation. If that's where we stay, then just as Jesus shared with the parable of the sower and the seeds and the ground, he talked about that ground that is, that is rocky, that doesn't have a chance to build up a foundation. And when times of testing come, then it dies away because it had no root. We are able to do the Lord's work with joy because of our deep roots in the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that doing his will, serving others, doing his work brings us great joy. Jesus speaks of this in several places, but especially in those chapters at towards the end of the book of John, when he is alone with his apostles and he's telling them, I'm about to leave you. He's trying to prepare them as, as much as that could be possible for his being betrayed and denied and arrested and convicted and crucified. And one of the recurring thoughts in those chapters of John, starting in chapter 13 and going on until he is arrested, one of the recurring themes is that of joy. John 15, verse 11, Jesus says this, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Chapter 16, beginning in verse 20. Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, verse 22, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Chapter 17, verse 13, as he shares this great high priestly prayer with the Father. He says, I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. One of the things that's striking about all of this is that Jesus doesn't pray to protect us and to save us and to spare us from all difficulty. In fact, it's just the opposite. In these chapters, he says, in this world, you will have trouble. People will hurt you. They will threaten you. Some will even kill you, he tells his disciples, thinking that they're serving the Lord. But just as he tells them those things, he tells them, I am giving you a joy that none of the circumstances of this life can take away. It's a joy that comes from within. It's a joy that comes through the grace of God. He has made me glad. 
we sang. We can sing and be happy because of the joy that Jesus has given us. The joy of salvation, of knowing our sins are forgiven and that we will live forever with our Father, our Creator, our Savior. But also the joy of doing the Lord's work. Of knowing that he hasn't just saved us, he's given us a mission, he's given us a purpose, he's given us stuff to do for the sake of others, for the sake of the kingdom. We do the Lord's work with joy. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 12 tells us that it was for the joy that Jesus had before him, that he endured the cross and scorned its shame and gave his life. We do the Father's work just like that, with joy. Fourthly, we do the Lord's work with love. We do the Lord's work with love. And this is that great passage that we see in several places, including Luke 10, where Jesus gives us the greatest and the second greatest command, to love our God and to love our neighbor as ourselves. We do the Lord's work with love for our God and with love for our neighbor. And after Jesus has shared that in Luke 10, the greatest commandment and the second great one, the the man asked the question that led to that great story, the story of the Good Samaritan, one of Jesus' most well-known parables. And he talks about this man who, according to the Jews, was an outcast. And yet he was the one, not the priest, not the Levite, The Samaritan was the one who stopped and helped and served and gave. The Samaritan was the one who did the Lord's work with love. And what a blessing that story is because we see ourselves as that person who is walking by that needy person and we give them what we can. We do the Lord's work with love. I don't know about you, but I think that it, that if we could get um, the VA, the the Veterans Administration, the Social Security, um, the the voting that's coming up, if we could just put the Chick-fil-A drive-through team in charge of those things, it would be so great. They are incredible. They're incredible. I was going to Chick-fil-A the other night, which, by the way, our family calls Chick-a-way, and I don't know how that started, but it's kind of the cutest thing ever, and, and now our grandkids are old enough, and they just get mad at us when we say it that way, which makes it that much better, but I digress. Um, I, was, I was going through Chick-a-way's drive through the other day, and it was super crowded. This was the one just south of the loop on Beckham, and uh, super crowded. I mean, the cars were wrapped all the way around it, and so... I came around and and got in line just to get around the store so that I could get in line. And uh, and if you know if you're familiar with that restaurant, there's a um, on the on the north side of the restaurant. There's another entrance. There's a little little smaller entrance, and so people kind of line up there. And as they do that, they don't have to wait around the whole restaurant like you know the faithful of us do and so I'm I'm in that long line and I finally get around to the point to where that entrance is located and so people are kind of when they have a chance they're they're coming in and there was a a couple of cars ahead of me and and that person went and then there was a, a truck ahead of me and rather than letting the lady that was waiting there to, to come in, he you know, gunned it and made sure that she didn't get in ahead of him. 
And I got that. I, I understood that because we had probably been waiting a lot longer than she had. But I slowed down and I just kind of motioned for her to go on and, and she did. And I thought that was the end of it and that was a nice thing and I felt good and I wasn't in a super big hurry so it was it was good and so I finally get to the place where Mr. Super Efficient Chick-A-Way worker is taking everyone's order and and I and I give him my order and I have my little debit card out to to pay and he says oh no 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 it's already been paid the lady in front of you wanted to pay for your lunch today as a thank you for what you did and my first thought was man we should have gotten the shakes I knew we should have gotten the shakes Actually, that wasn't my first response. <laughs> what a, it was so unexpected. And, and what a blessing. What a blessing. And I, of course, I didn't do that thinking anything would come of it. But it meant something to her. And so she expressed that same gratitude and love for a, a simple act that really didn't cost me anything. We do the Lord's work with joy. We do the Lord's work with gratitude. We do the Lord's work because he's commanded us to do it. We do the Lord's work with love. Finally today, we do the Lord's work because it's worth it. It's worth it. We do the Lord's work because the empty tomb. We do the Lord's work because of the resurrection of Christ. And we do the Lord's work because we know that one day we will be resurrected as well. And so we see great passages like 2 Corinthians 5 and Galatians 6 and 1 Corinthians 15 that remind us, that remind us that this world is not our home, that we do have a mansion over the hilltop, that the things that we see and the things that we go through, even the difficult things that we go through, are not all there is. There's something deeper, there's something better, there's something bigger, there's something more lasting than just what we see. We do the Lord's work because... It's worth it. Paul talks about that in Galatians 6, and he reminds us that that there is a God and that he is watching and that a person will reap what they sow. And, And so we want to be faithful to God, even if not sinless, faithful, so that we can do our very best to plant what he wants planted. And then he ends with this statement in verses 9 and 10 of Galatians 6. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Let's not give up doing good. Let's continue to do good to everybody that we can. Whoever the Lord puts in front of us, that good Samaritan, he didn't say, oh, I'm going to cross on the other side too because this guy is a Jew, not a Samaritan. He was a human being in need. Let us do good to all. Let's start with one another, absolutely. Let's go beyond that to whomever our God will call us to serve and to help. 
and then that great chapter in 1 Corinthians 15, the resurrection chapter. I believe, and you've heard me say this, that Paul says 57 verses (laughs) so that he can say what he says in verse 58. Everything up to now is a lead-in. Everything up to now is the reason why this is true. Because Jesus died, because there is a resurrection, because our faith is not in vain. Therefore, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. How do you know that, Bill? Because the tomb is still empty. And one day your tomb will be as well. We do the Lord's work because it's worth it. As Donnie shared during that wonderful time, as we gathered around the table together, calling us to Psalm 118, reminding us, reminding us of that great joy that comes with every new day. That great presence of God and the faith we have in him. That whatever we face in this life, he will give us the strength to not just overcome it, but to thrive in it, to do his will in it, to do work for the Lord in it. So as we close this message today, we invite any who want to come as we sing this prayer that God would open our eyes, Lord. We want to see Jesus and that in doing so, He would make us servants. If we can help you in any way today, come as we stand and sing these two wonderful songs.